Yo-ho, I'm Damien Roos. Today, how to ride with slower riders, pre-rolls, and should you buy a canyon? You got a question about cycling? I got you covered. But if I can't find the answer, it doesn't exist. This is your Cycling Questions Answered. Before we get going today, I want to mention one more time the free giveaway that I am doing. You can win the ultimate training package. It includes one year of Trainer Road, one year of Training Peaks Premium, one license to WK04, and one custom season-long training plan from Semi-Pro Cycling. If you want to enter, head over to semiprocycling.com forward slash giveaways forward slash training. Now, let's get on with the show. Question one, I ordered two new 23C tires but got delivered one 23C and one 25C. Shakes fist at wiggle. Rather than bothering with returns, is there any reason why I cannot run two different sizes at once? I was debating making the jump to 25 anyway, so I could use the 23C for a bit and then upgrade to a 25. Well, I'm actually running a 23-25 combo at the moment. It's not really on purpose. I had a blowout in a country town in Thailand. The only tire they had was a 23, so I popped that on. I haven't changed it since. I put the 25 on the back and the 23 on the front. There is no reason for this other than initially I thought maybe because it's going to be more weight on the back and that would help smooth out the ride or something. But there is no problem I see with running a combo like this. Anecdotally, You may want to have a 25 on the front the opposite way that I'm running it now. So it might be able to give you a bit of grip, but I've got nothing to back that up. Just like I've got nothing to back up that it's better being on the back because of the weight distribution is going to be more towards the back. But really, just roll with it. There is no reason not to run these two different sizes at once. Plus... If you tell enough people with confidence, they're going to think that you have an edge by riding with a different combination because nobody is generally riding with this combination. Question two, with the news of Canyon launching a program in the US, I started saving up to be able to buy my first new bike in over six years. I'm hoping that they get things set up early spring so I can have my bike before the season starts, but I'll take what I can get. For those of you who already ride on Canyon, ride impressions, any suggestions on model sizing, I race road and crit with an emphasis on criteriums. Any advice would be greatly appreciated. Anyone else in the States as pumped as I am, I'm curious, what kind of racing do you plan to do on your new kit and what made you decide this was the bike for you? Well, there's a lot of questions in there, but I'm going to take it back a whole bunch and just talk about my experience with Canyon. I've owned a Canyon Ultimate CF since December 2012. And I'm going to run through my experience and my opinion on buying the bike. I'm not really going to go into a review of the bike. My model itself is superseded. If you want to get a bike for criteriums and sprinting, then the Aero Road is probably the best bet. But there's no need for me to go into details here. There is plenty of other people that can give you their advice on the bikes, and they're probably actually riding them. So let's go through the experience. My purchase experience was spot on. I have no problems recommending Canyon for their purchase experience from their e-commerce shop all the way through to buying the goods and then getting delivered. I bought it from their German distribution warehouse and it got delivered to Western Africa. It was quick 
and barring some dealings with customs agents and customs themselves, which isn't necessarily the responsibility of Canyon, but no doubt it factors into the purchase because you're getting it delivered into another country. It's going to be over a threshold. Well, it's very common for countries to have a threshold, say, 1000 US dollars, and you have to pay customs of anything over that. You won't have this problem if they are setting up a distribution center in the US, just like they have done in 2016 in Australia. And so I'll say again, no problems with getting the bike to me. So now let's talk about the bad, or at least the ugly, because when I got the bike, I soon realized I needed a slightly shorter stem than I chose with the bike. I went for 120, but I needed a 110. And being the uncommon size of one and a quarter inch, I had to order it directly from Canyon. This wasn't such a painful experience, except for the delivery charge. But hey, I was in Africa at the time, so I wasn't going to complain about it. The most frustrating experience that I have had with Canyon came when I tried to get my next part from them about a year or two later, and it was an exchange that lasted months. I wanted to replace their headset system called the iLock. It's something they developed with a brand called Across, and it basically eliminates the need for a star nut and a cap. Pretty much, I just wanted to slam my stem, get the front down a little bit lower, and I needed to eliminate that because it's quite high. The stack on just the iLock system is 15, 20 mils or so. So it's quite high. So it was a significant drop that I wanted to put that stem down. So I needed a star nut, I needed a cap, and I needed a bearing cap to go over the, the top row of bearings. And I sent them an email inquiring about this on the 14th of April, 2015, They said there's no problem buying a star nut and cap. It's just that the emails took so long to respond. If there was something wrong in an email, then it would be dragged out for 10 days before they replied, and then they'd go on and on and on. And it wasn't until the end of August 2015. So four and a half months later, it wasn't until I got the delivery. I was in Thailand at the time, and I got the delivery four and a half months later. That is crazy to me. I am aware that there are other options when it comes to the headset and what I was looking for. Giant have some one and a quarter inch headsets that I could have worked out. But if you need headset bearings or a new headset, then you really have to consider that their customer service is a bit lagging and you may have to wait for these. And if it's something like the bearings where you pretty much can't ride on the bike, then you may be out of action for the entire time that you're waiting for these products. So you need to take that into consideration. So in summary, nice bike, excellent initial buying experience, shipping was no problems, although I do hear in some places they're waiting a lot, so there's a really long wait list, but I didn't have any problems with that. It's just that their proprietary parts, specifically the headset that they use, will definitely have me thinking twice before I buy another Canyon. Question three, hi, this year I've introduced my girlfriend to road cycling and she is hooked. She built a decent endurance over the spring. She can ride 80 kilometers in one go, but lacks speed. She got great, she got great. She got great acceleration on hills, but cannot hold my wheel on flats for very long. 
When I'm writing about 80% FTP, I'm looking to build her and my FTP, but it's hard since she wants us to ride together, and if I ride at sweet spot, I drop her after a few minutes. Do you have any tips on how I should go about this? Any good intervals or workouts? Our goal is to ride 130 kilometers in Mallorca, and we are building endurance on weekends. My goal is to get her to build a bit of speed. Your goal. Anyway. So what are the best solutions? I see this question in broader terms more as what are the best solutions for closing the speed gap in couples? Because it's not really training advice on how to bring her up to your speed because generally speaking, there's always going to be a slower partner. It might be you someday, so watch out. But this is a guide on how a faster rider can ride with a slower rider. Number one, slow down your expectations about your hope for your partner's cycling. It sounds like you want to get her more speed. You introduced her to cycling. She's taken it on. So there's a lot of different expectations floating around here about what she would expect, what you would expect, and have a really honest talk about her goals. Have a really honest talk about what she wants to get out of riding. It might be different to yours and she's just going along with you. If you get through this step, then you can really think about what you can plan together and what you can do together. Maybe it is this trip to Mallorca and maybe I'm being a little presumptuous for your relationship, but in general here, I think the idea is that don't put our hopes about other people wanting to cycle. I know there's excitement involved with this and just wanting to get somebody involved in a sport that we love, but if you try and push anybody into this sport, then it's not going to be a long relationship with the sport and maybe it's not going to be a long relationship with you. Number two, adjust your mindset to think of the time on the bike with your partner as extras. Don't go out and do intervals or disappear from sight, attack them on the hills or whatever. Don't pressure them to ride faster to keep up. Do all of your training some other time and spend this time enjoying the company as much as you will be enjoying the bike. If you do want to take off a little bit on hills, make sure they can see you and loop back around. Or make the decision if you're going out and you've got someone on your wheel, a slow ride on your wheel, you're not going to attack them. You are always going to be with them. So if they're communicating with you and they feel like they're dropping off, then you slow down so they can stay on the wheel. I think this is the best way. Communication and you changing the expectations about the types of rides that you will be doing with this person. Another way to keep communication up is to stay engaged throughout the ride. Try and ride side by side as much as possible. Try and talk as much as possible. It really will remind you why you're out there in the first place. And it's to be with each other. In some ways, cycling comes second. So if you just focus your riding on talking to each other and enjoying each other's company, that's going to change the entire vibe of the ride. Also, think about the extra motivational energy it takes for a slower rider to keep up with a fast rider. It's daunting. As soon as you wake up, if you're the slower rider, you're thinking about how it's going to be very painful. It's going to take a lot to keep up with anybody that's faster. So just take that into consideration. Even if they are your partner and you're very close to them, they may not be able to tell you or articulate or want to express exactly how worried they are about the ride. So just anticipate a little bit of this. And if you're going to be stopping for breaks and you get there early, just make sure that you're waiting for them longer and you give them a chance to recover when they stop. I think that if you just consider how... If you just consider how scary it is to ride with faster riders, then I think it'll change the whole approach to the ride. And if you don't know what this is like, go out with some riders that are going to crush you. It'll definitely change the way that you think about someone that's slower riding with you. And my final bit of advice here is if all else fails, just go on separate rides together 
and then meet for the last bit, whether it's meeting for a couple of kilometers at the end and then having a coffee stop and chilling and then riding home together or whatever. However you want to do it, just make sure that some point of the ride that you meet together and you can talk about the ride and you can bond and be connected that way, but you can also go off and do your own thing. So in some ways, you can kind of get the best of both worlds. Question four, what kind of helmet and sunglasses do you wear? Bit of a random question. Personally, I wear a Giro Atmos 2 helmet and Oakley Radar EV sunglasses. It's definitely a modern classic combination. Well, more the Giro and the Oakley than anything. It was made famous by LA. Even though it was helped along by other Americans, such as the original Greg LeMond and the ever-present George Hincapi, Big George, I've got another combo as well. What's my other helmet? It's a cask something. It's a pretty ugly thing. And another pair of Oakleys that I wear, and this is if I'm going night riding because I just leave a light permanently on that helmet. For me, I'm personally a big fan of the combination I have because I like wearing my sunnies in my helmet vents. It's super handy at stops, and if you're starting or finishing in the dark, you can just put it up there and forget about it. Of course, there's other places to wear your sunglasses, but for me, I found that this is my personal preference. Other popular combinations are mostly brand-centric. So POC, P-O-C, POC, has loads of people using their P-O-C helmet and sunglass combo. But basically, most brands that have a helmet, have a pair of sunglasses, either they started with the sunnies or they started with the helmet, and they've now tried to maximize their business. Brands like Rudy Project, Smith, Bolle. But if you've seen Bolle glasses, you will know that their helmets are very similar. So it's a very unique style. I could go on and on about the different brands and things. I want to end on one comment about sunglasses. And it's with the domination of Oakley. I believe some flair has disappeared out of the Peloton. There's brands like 100% and POC and even Rafa are trying to bring it back. ASOS also have a notable entry in their Zeg Ho sunglasses, but it's never going to compare to the classics from Brico, Killer Loop, the early Rudy Project, and even early Oakleys, which today you would be wearing them if you want a bit of retro flair, but there's nothing at the moment that I can definitely say in 10 or 20 years people are going to be wearing. It's sort of like the glasses that were around the 2000s, early 2000s, late 90s, where Oakley had Sub-Zeros and racing jackets. I feel like they're just gone forever, which really isn't such a bad thing. Okay, question five, morning ride before a nighttime crit. How many of y'all do an easy ride the morning of a nighttime crit? I know a lot of top guys in my region do this, but I'm still not convinced it's beneficial. Why do you think it helps? Well, I don't think there's any real scientific reason that it's going to help because if you're going to do some type of openers, you really want to do them the day before so your system has time to replenish itself and all of your glycogen stores are there and ready for when you need it in the big race. So this is more just a getting out, getting loose on the bike, checking your bike over, just getting ready and comfortable for the race that's going to happen later on. Officially, I know it as the pre-roll or a pre-roll, 
And there's really more tradition in it than any other solid reason to do it, like I've said. But let's back up just a little bit here, because are you talking about weekly club crits? If you are, you will probably want to train through them. And that can include the day of the race. If you have the time, it's good to do a ride before and finish with a crit. So it's simulating going out for a long ride and finishing with a hard effort. If time is an issue, maybe you want to do some extra in the morning. And that's what these riders are doing. I don't know exactly what these riders are doing, so it's a bit hard to tell. But the choice you have then is how important are these races to you? Because the more important they are, the less work on the day you want to be doing. I think it's as simple as that. Alrighty, that's it. I want to make one more mention of this free giveaway. It's the ultimate cycling and training analysis package. That's what I'm calling it anyway. Make 2017 your best season ever. Give yourself the best chance with what I believe are some of the best software tools and training available. If you win, you will get one year of Trainer Road, one year of Training Peaks Premium, one license to WKO4. If you don't know what that is, check it out. It is detailed analysis and one custom season-long training plan from Semi-Pro Cycling. Head over to semiprocycling.com forward slash giveaways forward slash training to enter. It's being drawn in a few days, so I would jump on this as soon as you hear me saying these words. But anyway... Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. And of course, ride well.